Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast. We are glad you're here. Take about 30 seconds, if you would, pause the podcast, leave a rating and review. It would help us find, nope, it would help others find this podcast. It's not going to help us find anything except your uh, amazing, helpful feedback because we do read it and we do adjust based on what you say. We want this to be valuable for you youth pastor, youth ministry leader. All right. I'm excited about the episode today. I am with producer Nathan. What's up? How's it going? Good, man. With Also with Zach. Yo, from the garage. <laughs> Zach from the garage. <laughs> it's the official. Yes, I like it. And uh, we're here with Chad. Not in a garage at all. <laughs> Not in a garage. We need to find. So we have producer Nathan, Zach from the garage. And then Chad. So we need to find something. <laughs> no, Chad's, 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 Chad's sufficient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I, Chad. I think I think we just allow others to come up with their own, you know, just like suffix of my name, right? Like that's also superlative. Yeah. What you know, whatever, whoever I am to them is really. <laughs> What I'm looking whatever through. reverberates through. I'm a cha- I'm a chat of the people, right? I'm a right. Chat of people. The people's precarious, chat. but you are people's chat of the people. champ. That's it. I'm the people's <laughs> champ. Uh, did you guys have superlatives at your high school? We did not at mine. Did you guys did you guys do the whole like I did? Mine's not like, great. What what was oh, yours? you you know it, but it's not great, and then you have to share it. <laughs> well, you know, most people got like, oh, best leader, this side or the other. I was most likely to fall asleep in class because it was like senior year and I'm taking a bunch of dumb classes that like those ex- electives because I've got all my stuff done. So I would just lean back in my chair and just kind of, you know, fall asleep in study hall. So I got most likely to fall asleep in class. And so you're, <laughs> you're Zach, Zach definitely has to be our most likely to fall asleep. Zach will fall asleep truth. at moment's notice. Not most likely to fall asleep, fastest to fall asleep. Very, exactly. it is very different. Scary how fast you will fall asleep. I just have a clean conscience. Y'all are just, you know, you're, li- you're living heavy, man. You're just living heavy. Most likely to fall asleep in any situation. True. Zach might be able to ask you a question and fall asleep before he finishes asking it. It, hel- it helps. It helps me. I mean, you've <laughs> lived that, right? Like that has you've experienced. I, did. I was that like, thing. man, we're gonna. Zach asked me a great question about F one, and I was like. 30 seconds in and I started hearing some snores. <laughs> it's all good though. So this week, you guys know a little bit about this uh, podcast listeners. I haven't said any of this like publicly, so they probably, they obviously won't know. So uh, my dad just before can- uh, uh, Christmas was diagnosed with cancer, um, has stomach cancer and has been walking through that has been receiving treatments and all that kind of stuff. And treatments have been going well, his oncologist is positive. It's kind of one of those, he's 93 years old, so they're not going to do an operation and chemo is even a little bit aggressive for his age and, and all of that. But the therapy that he's been doing has been, has been going well, he's been doing well. Uh, so we decided and to extend to him an offer to move here to Nashville, to be close to family, um, you know, kind of in the last, last chapter of life kind of thing. Uh, he's lived in Arkansas for close to 30 years. So this last weekend, we went to his house and man, looked through boxes and packed things up. It was like 
walk down memory lane also a little hard because you can't take everything with you and dad why do you have this box up in your attic of sealed bags of coffee beans like what are (laughs) like like why why do we have six things of axe deodorant in your bat in your bathroom shelf which he is 93 old man he gravitates towards the axe sense so there's another podcast episode there but i bring all that up to say that we've had some silver axe uh, are you you branding for silver axe is that like the (laughs) i'm trying to get a sponsor like the old sega golden axe with silver (laughs) axe like chad real quick off the top what are some of the scents of silver axe for those that are listening (laughs) i mean phoenix for the young people but right right i think i think if you're going silver axe it is like their smell, but branded slightly different. So like, okay. like high speed mothballs, oh. you know what I mean? Like <laughs> something along those lines. Yeah. Oasis. Just no Oasis. Oasis is good. It's, it's an Island scent when you're feeling alone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oasis is, that's a strong, it's a strong contender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hip hop bingo. <laughs> <laughs> I actually um, think there's a really strong one for, for, for aging Chad and it's just called checkmate. It's just, it's the perfect scent. Yeah, I, that is true. So he, so here's a couple things that I've learned this week uh, just from is that you accumulate, like we all accumulate just stuff. It makes me want to go through my house right now and just throw a bunch of things away. The, but the, the, I think the main thing that really stuck out is how powerful history and tradition are. They are, you know, a lot of times in in student ministry, like we push back against uh, traditional things and like the sacred cow kind of thing, so to speak. But we push back against that and we like want to get rid of it or we want to kick it to the curb. But there are some really powerful things about history and tradition. Mm. Uh, As we were going through boxes of stuff and deciding, you know, what are we going to take? And, you know, it went from a three bedroom house down to basically one room. So what are we, what are we going to take? And his statement that he said many times was, you know, these things may not be important, but every one of these things is connected to a story. I was like, man, that is, it's really, really powerful. Uh, I, I encouraged him, hey, we can keep the stories, but we got to get rid of some. <laughs> we yeah, yeah. We got to get rid of some of the stuff. And the other, and the other thing was he, there was so much excitement for him uh, about coming and being close to family and seeing the grandkids more than a couple times a year because he's lived eight hours away from us. But also a lot of sadness in leaving where he lives. My mom is, is buried there in Fayetteville and his life has been there. His work has been there. His friends have been there. And so just this, the appropriateness of the duality of feelings that you can both be excited and looking forward to something. And at the same time, feel the sadness and the hurt about walking away from something else. And I don't know, those two, those two things just really stuck out to me. The history and tradition, really, really powerful things. And then that, that duality of feelings of emotions that we sometimes feel towards like, that's totally appropriate and fine. Don't, don't you think that balance is like the view of healthy change? Like every time I've had like health change in my life, 
it has felt that way, right? Like there are some changes that happen that you're like maybe not healthy about that you don't want to happen. And then those are just like (laughs) the sadness part of it. But like the good ones are always a little bit of that balance of like, I hate losing what's, you know, in the past, but I'm excited about what's next. And so yeah, yeah that's absolutely. always so for you, Ben, like as his son, like watching that, like I know you had to feel some of that, but like what were what were some of the feelings and thoughts that were like going through your head? Like at, you know what I mean, as, as you helped your dad do that. Yeah, I mean, some of it was. I mean, we're on, we got to go through all this stuff. And so very, uh, very logical. Okay. What are we going to do with this? If we take this, where is it going to go? What are we going to, what are we going to do? Is it just going to be like, it's been sitting here untouched for 20 years. Is it just going to go there and sit untouched for another, whatever, however many years. So there was a lot of like logical and Kristen laughed at me a, a, a lot about this this week because nor like normal Ben is I grab onto a collection and just want to have a lot of like things yeah. and stuff like uh, around me. Now there are several collections of things. And so that's me like normally, but in this case I had to put on the hat of, well, we may not need to, we may not, we may not need <laughs> to keep these stacks of things. Uh, and then the other side of it was just having to remind myself that, uh, and honestly, I did better at this throughout the last couple of weeks in points than I did in others, but just having to remind myself, like he is right now reliving the last almost 30 years of his life. Yeah. And to, to go through all of the drawers and all of the papers and file cabinets and like he found things that he hasn't, like he opened uh, one box that had just been sitting in his closet and it was him and my mom's wedding book from years ago. Yeah. Didn't even know it was there. And so there are, there are those moments where it's just, okay, Ben, this isn't about getting a task done. He needs the space to be able to to turn the page. He's, he can't just check a box and move to Nashville. He needs to be able to turn the pages at his pace. And that, that was hard. Uh, but that's, man, those are the things that were going through my mind where the <laughs> speaking of duality of feeling the both, we have to be able sure. to do this job, but also for this job to be done. Well, you, we have to take care of you having space to walk mm-hmm. through it too. Because he's going to memories right in the new place. And things yeah. to remind him of that. It's good. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So Zach, before we, before we press record, you mentioned th- something that I think is, is absolutely true. And I, I want to bring it, I want to bring it in here. Okay. A little pre-show, pre-show <laughs> makes the show. <laughs> <laughs> and that is uh, summertime ministry looks a little different then school year ministry feels a little different. <laughs> and, uh, and, and sometimes that comes out in uh, relationally with students. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes it comes out with, Hey, like I was great with you when all I had to do was see you on a Wednesday night for about five minutes before the service. But now that I've seen you four times this week, I've run out of things to ask you. The cadence has changed. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, I think, from a student ministry perspective, 
what are some key small talk points and ideas? Because that Chad, I think you even mentioned like, Hey, we can fake it on a Wednesday night and come across super relational. But when you run out of those top three questions that you ask every week, where do you go? This is, it's an important thing because like the summertime ministry, like this is the spot where you've got to fill in that. You've got to fill in that gap. And it shows a little bit more relational care than, Hey buddy, what's up on a Wednesday night? Well, and the way that it shows care is I think it stops being just curiosity. Like, no man, tell me about the, this or the, that, or like your family. And I think this is where maybe Chad can weigh in more. It starts to go from like just the curiosity to a little bit of like, like the contentedness, like, cool, man. So just like hang, right. I think there is that like awkward, like the interviews over. So how do we just talk and try to try to covering like all the bases or hitting like all the, like, you know, the, like the little bullet points of the interview. Uh, there is that just like, is there an ease in conversation that we know enough, know enough, knew enough to sit next to each other and like, just be fine around each other. But I don't know. That's always the shift. That's really hard to make for some is there is the like small talk banter that you can fill in, but then it's like things either have to get really specific or really like weird or really funny or really, really regular. And so Chad, your thoughts on the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think, so I think there's a life cycle in almost any sort of like relationship that starts with that. Like what, you're referring to like an interview process and then there's always like a happening, right? And then that happening is either this like shared experience that you can then like revert back to like, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, we've done this together or like it's you're in the midst of something, right? Like a camp. And so like you have this thing that you're going through. And so you can constantly be talking about like what's going on and are you enjoying it? Those kind of things. Um, or it's just the awkwardness. And I actually think that some of the best friendships happen through the awkwardness. Like there, there comes this point where everybody kind of looks at each other and it's like, what do we talk about? Like, what do we do now? And you've got to push through that. Like there is going to be that time. And that's true with like adults and and true friendships, but even like having a connection with students, there comes this point. And I think for the students, it's always that point where specifically if you're in a larger student ministry where they're like, do you actually know my name? You know what I mean? That like that moment where the student, like a few weeks later, that's like, what's my name? And you're like, it's Kevin. Right. And it's like, nope, Jordan. And you're like close. Right. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's through that process of like really getting to know it, spend some time. And I think beginning to like genuinely, genuinely like care for that person as an individual that makes man the awkwardness part is, is I think totally accurate. That's why we've been trying to get you in the hot tub for months. Mm, not happening. <laughs> it's the, the next level of the hot seat. Sometimes we hot seat on the podcast, but on the pre-show, yeah. That that's what's gonna push our all of our friendships to the next level. Zach, okay. So for any of the listeners, Zach has a hot tub at his house. And I just feel like it's an awkward thing to invite another adult over to your house to get into a hot tub. <laughs> 
Ch- Chad's rule is you only swim with like your own kids. Like once you have kids, you only swim with your own kids. Hold on. I'm, we're not talking swimming, Zach. We're talking hot tub. It's a tiny pool. It's not a tiny pool. That's the difference. No, no, no. You see it as a tiny pool. I see it as a large bathtub. <laughs> oh, so you're, what you're saying is the metaphor is is misrepresented. Me, what metaphor, Zach? There's no metaphor. It's potato, just potato, a, a It's a large outdoor bathtub. So you interpret it as, will you bathe with bathe me? Bathe with me. That's it. That's say that's where chat. There's bubbles. There's hot water. He thinks bathtub. How do you spa. not? I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's you know, but same, it's you have the same feeling about saunas. You not sauna with other other adults. Is that a, is that also like a? I, I'm not saying I don't do it. I, my my thing is the invitation is weird. Okay. So it just has to like happen organically. Right. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> we're just all there. We're just in the all backyard. The and like I guess we. We hot tub now? Is that is that what we do? Like, there's no dinner invite. It's just we were all hanging out. And, it's uh, a spontaneous group. Spontaneous baby. spa day. That's good. A spontaneous spa day is great. Hmm, I just happen to have my swim trunks here. Uh, That's <laughs> how it progress. That's why I always wear board shorts in the summer. I, mean, I just I never know. Right? I never. You know. never know you're, when a hot tubbing is going to take place. You're the that hot guy tub ready? The package off. Yeah. We can start a conversation, and who knows, right? Hot tub ready, always. always. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Zach's rocking the mesh in his shorts from <laughs> April to October. October. Just ready, Just ready to go. Hoping, hoping and ready. That's why I fall asleep so quickly. I'm always so relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> Every day spa day. Yep. All right, so Chad, let's put you in the the seat of, man, I've, I've seen these students for the fourth time this week. Or... I've run out of the surfacey questions and I've got a spark conversation. What are your like go to might be a little awkward or weird at first, but not like from a strange way, but from like a, this is going to cause a student to think and it's going to spark conversation. Yeah. You can't not have an answer. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like you're going to have to answer. It's going right. to make you go, Oh, I wasn't expecting that question. So for students, uh, one of the questions that I kind of like, and it's kind of at this moment, is um, I'll ask something along the lines of like, hey, tell, tell me about like how you started to come to, you know, this church. Like, t- tell me that story. Um, and so even if it's a new student, like that, that's a fresh question. But for m- maybe students that have been there for a while, like if, if I'm the new person, right? Like say you're the new youth pastor. I think a lot of these conversations happen. Um, if you're the new youth pastor, um, asking that question gives you a little bit of background. Um, I think it's a little coming at it that way allows me to kind of move into that, like testimony question. Like I start to fill out, like, is this student a believer or not? Which allows me to then like ask those questions of like, Hey, like, where are you at, you know, in your faith and those kind of things. And so getting to know like the spiritual side of students, where they're at um, and, and talking through those, those kind of things. Um, <clears throat> I, I love to ask questions about like their friends. Um, that seems to be a really comfortable question for students to, to answer, to get to know them a little bit deeper of like, 
Who's hey, like, your weirdest me. friend? <laughs> oh, that's a good that's a good way to ask that. Mine is definitely there's a guy named Zach Workin who keeps asking me <laughs> to come get in his hot tub. <laughs> what about you, Nathan? I want to know, like, for you, like, if if you're trying to dive in, like, wh- what are what are some of the questions that you would ask? I'm interested yes. in that too, because Nathan having led camp teams and directed large group led large groups of people where he sees them every day for seven weeks. Like you have, Mm -hmm. you have run into this problem. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I usually try to, it's kind of along your lines, Chad, but I kind of try to just ask the first questions, but I really like to keep pushing. Like I just keep like to ask why until they can't, they're like, wait a minute, whether it's how'd you come to faith or like for camp context, like how is ministry site? What'd you do on the rec field? You know, and it's like, oh, we played volleyball. How was that? Well, it was fun. Why was it fun? Oh, uh, well, I got to run around. Do you like running? Well, actually, yeah. You know, and just kind of, I'll, I'll just keep going on, on the walk out of a deal. Do you like uh, running around? Think you're faster than me? Do, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you never know. You never know when. So that's why I wear tennis shoes all the time. You'll never see me in sandals because I'm always ready for a foot race with somebody because I'm surprisingly maybe a little bit faster. Not really than most people Bro, think. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. you, you never know when a game of ultimate Frisbee will break out and you got to be ready for it. Right. I love the yeah, idea I, of Nathan challenging people to a foot race at random, <laughs> random times. Why are you and Zach preparing for awkwardness <laughs> in your life? <laughs> I was a Boy Scout. Our motto is be prepared. I'm just ready, bro. Nathan's yeah. wearing board shorts and running shoes. And a, and has a spool of paracord somewhere. somewhere. With a whistle. Surprisingly, I bought my a spool of paracord this week for the auditorium to toss some <laughs> curtains back. Man, that's so accurate. Yeah. Par- paracord bracelet with the whistle clip. That's, that's Nathan Howard as an object, which is yeah. a really great weird question. If you had to be an object, what's the object you would be? Ooh, mm. are we talking shape or any object? No, just like like if, if you if you were like a a thing you own, what's the thing you own that like you would be or like best represents you or whatever? I mean, most kids would say switch, but this is where you get the chance to really like let them know. You know, like that's always a fun like if you had to like objectify yourself, if you were gonna be like a thing, like metaphor yourself, then there there's the like, it's weird, right? Because you're like mm, I don't know, but. Uh, it's always curious to hear. That's always one when Chad and I do work with team stuff, like what's your role on the team as imagined as like a kitchen appliance. That's always really interesting to hear volunteers be like, I'm, I'm the mixing stand because I help pull everybody together. Right. Or whatever. And you're like, <laughs> well, that's, that's good. That's good. That's like an interview. Like people say in an interview just to make themselves like look better. I would be interested to know, like, after you've been on a team, like we could, we could do this together as we could identify kitchen appliances for each other. For each other. Oh. That, now that's, now that's, Let's a fun play game. That game. That, that's the game to play. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have time. We could play. What is Nathan? And uh, kitchen appliances. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go instant pot for Nathan. Oh, okay. Ooh, okay. Um, because he is able to do like take on many different tasks. Yeah. So like whatever you put in the Instapot, he's going to, he's going to make it happen. It's going to come out. It's going to be good. Like that. It'll handle chicken. It'll handle cake. It'll handle pizza. Hard boiled eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you put in there, it's, it's coming out in a, in a good way. Yeah. I'm gonna go Instapot for Nathan. 
But there's always a little bit of fear that the pressure may just explode. You got to give it some time. Like right. when, when <laughs> blood sugar right. goes up, you got to wait two minutes. Because if you don't wait two minutes, it's all coming down. <laughs> Aaron throws a towel on it to remind herself yeah. not to hit the pop on the top. Yeah. There, there's always that wet 1% that we're going to end up with cake everywhere. But that's right. That's right. If it, yeah. All right, I'm, 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 I'm naming Zach's. Okay. Okay, Zach is not a single item in the kitchen, but he is that drawer, and we all know what, what I'm talking about. He is that drawer that, like, everything just ends up in, but is the most useful drawer in your entire house, right? Like, Good to know that we scotch tape and batteries in this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> but you're the but it's the drawer you go to first for every everything. For everything. everything. Everybody just dumps on it. Everybody just puts it. No, in no. It. Like, <laughs> <laughs> jump it in the we'll figure it out later. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. That's where it goes. We don't yes, know where it I'll goes, hope. so it goes there. Yeah. 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 I'll help you out, Zach. I was gonna say you were the spice rack because you had flavor to everything. Oh, don't give me oh, that. <laughs> But it's all expired. Yeah, it's, that could be a, it's all well. expired flavor. That could be on a t-shirt. It used to taste good. It really did. Yeah. Why is this paprika from 04? <laughs> the spices go bad. It's okay. I'll throw it back to Chad. I'll throw it back to Chad and say that you're the refrigerator. No, because, that's no, a Hold on, thing. hold on. Before you take offense to size, hold on. The refrigerator is the device that gives longevity to things that otherwise would not have the longevity that they originally were packaged for. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. You, you could have gone freezer there. It, it would have it would have taken the edge off of. No, because sometimes he freezes things and it's just like, can we get back to whatever we were doing? And it just really sucks. <laughs> like now we're just banging waffles on the counter, hoping they'll thaw. It's the needed break. Needed yeah. Break. Yeah. Really good. That he's, he's the ice machine and it's just always complaining that it never quite works, even though it's supposed to. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't work. <laughs> that blade won't. It wasn't. I want to hear work. Nathan. I want to hear Nathan appliance assess Ben because Nathan has known Ben the longest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, what going to be a? Uh, it wasn't going to be an appliance. I think maybe for Ben it is the really nice knife block because Ben does a great job of getting precision and trimming away the fat so that we are we get the best quality product out of what we're doing. So that's why I would say the knife block. The knife block. Nice little walnut. When I... Mahogany. <laughs> yeah. the, the knife block is what I chose from the uh, You've Been at Lifeway five years catalog of gifts. See? <laughs> it worked! <laughs> yes! The question worked! Yes! Yes! Ah! Self-inventory. That's, that's it. Yeah. That's they they give away a knife. It, is it labeled Lifeway? Like, is it... Uh... No, it's a Ginsu. Oh, oh well, Ginsu is a good knife. So you could like cut a nickel and then slice a tomato. That's what they used to do on those commercials. Hey, that knife belongs in that. my drawer. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. Who's making a salad like that? That you need that kind of like versatility. The lead content in your salad is yeah. low. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You gotta make sure and slice freely. I guess got vegetables the, and minerals. It's great. Yeah. So I want to talk strategy for just a minute. Strategy is a necessary component of uh, a lot of what we do as a team together. I will 
praise Zach for a minute and uh, bring a lot of strategic thinking to the various things we do on our training team, giving us a track to run on with, with our approach to regional training, in-person training from uh, traveling around with our roadshow essentials experience here in Nashville that like steps it up even another notch. And then coming soon can kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit here is our uh, youth pastors and spouse event that we're going to be releasing uh, in 2023. Yeah. yeah. So be look on the lookout for that. But uh, Zach can bring you a lot of strategy to that track, so to speak. Um, and we do, we do a lot of strategic thinking. The, the life of a student pastor in some ways revolves around being strategic with moments, being strategic with programming, being strategic with parent ministry, even being strategic with something we talked about just a little bit ago on the podcast uh, with conversations and having good questions to ask and develop relationships with people. Um, and so the question I want to get to is this, some would argue that strategic thinking is something that is innate. You just either think that way or you don't, or Strategic thinking is a skill that can be developed. And I'd throw that out to you guys and uh, say, what are your thoughts on innate versus hmm. being developed? And we can start, we can start there. Well, I, I definitely think that there are some folks that are inclined to think strategically. I mean, I think there's enough strength finders test out there to say that some folks just always try to see the bigger picture or, uh, or the long view for things. So I think if, if you're resonating and hearing that, that, like you probably have already like self-assessed and inventoried that one of your strengths is the long range thinking. Uh, but I do think uh, Ben to the other half of the question, like for other things that can be sharpened, uh, usually it's sharpened uh, from with, uh, from outside yourself. I think that's one of the things that some of the best strategy usually happens in conversation collaboration. Uh, I think that's one of the things that, and I'll, I'll kick it to him in a second to let Chad weigh in too, but like it's the space between two ideas that gives you more runway for the space of your idea uh, because the longer it takes, I mean, it is a little bit of that like leadership axiom that folks share that if you want to go fast, you'll go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. And I think the farness in that, the strategic the strategy in that of going very far or going very specifically and you know journeying traveling well uh, takes multiple voices wisdom input uh, so I think you might be inclined to be strategic but I think even if you're inclined or uh, with the uh, disposition of that that it probably is best sharpened in the conversation with others um, to get a little bit of a bigger view or to drill down into what it takes to get there and I think those are some of the things that you might have the map but you don't have the itinerary and I think those are some of the elements that like you might be strategic into I want to get there but you may not not be uh, as strategic in what all it takes to make the journey. So Chad, did I say that right? Or is that like, I, th I think it's, that's an interesting thought. And, and one, I, I'll be honest. I don't know that I've really thought about that too much. Um, and so it's got my mind thinking through a lot of like other disciplines in my life of, I, I think you, I think you nailed it, Zach, of like, 
this idea that you may be like inclined to it. Um, but I don't know, just because you're inclined to it doesn't necessarily mean you're good at it, if that makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Like just because you're inclined to being strategic doesn't mean you're actually, you know, successful at successful doing. at being strategic. You just you may start begin to think that way. I think you're probably you probably have a good foundation if with time and work that that can become a big strength of yours. But I would say that even if somebody doesn't feel like that's a strength of theirs, to feel like that is something that you could grow in um, is, I think, very possible. So the thing that immediately goes into my brain is chess, right? Like, so that, I mean, that is an unbelievably strategic game. Um, and one that I have been working at very hard. Um, and the deeper I get into chess and the strategy of chess, the more I, um, the, the more I realize you have to turn off the side of your brain that is just impulse that I think sometimes we think is strategy. Um, sometimes the first move looks really good, um, but at a, at a higher level of chess, that move that looks really good is often the move that gets you in trouble. Um, and so I would say one of the big lessons to learn from chess is really high level chess players know all the major openings um, and they know all of um, they know all the lines of each of those openings and there are very high level chess players that are known for playing the same opening every single time because they have mastered that opening. And through mastering that opening, they're able to dictate exactly what their opponent is going to do. And so I think, I think as we think about strategy in student ministry, knowing the fundamentals, knowing um, what we would refer to as like the essentials of student ministry and knowing those well actually allows you to become really strategic because you're not trying to think through, okay, what do I do move one through four? You That's already a given. Autopilot. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. frees you up to then begin to think about the areas of ministry or culture that you can begin to build um, because you're not wasting, you know, a lot of brain power doing the, the easy thing. That's like one of the reason a lot of the like Silicon Valley guys have all gone to like basically wearing the exact same thing every day that it's like the hip and trendy thing of like, well, I don't give any thought of my day into like what I'm going to wear. It's just the gray shirt. Right. <laughs> and I, I think that, there is a piece of that puzzle of going, okay, what are the given things? And then what are the things that I can become strategic about? I'll hear what you guys have to say on that. I think there's definitely people who are more inclined to strategic thinking. It comes a bit natural, but in one of the roles that I do in helping train staffers, program directors for camp, a big piece of that is helping them to learn how to think strategically through programming elements and some of those kind of things. So I think it can be also a learned skill. And like a lot of skills, it, it takes time and sharpening and practice, right? And so I think the big thing for me that I help people whenever they want to 
to learn how to like think strategically through a problem is to think through like the schedule. Like, so if you're going to run in an event, don't just kind of wait until that happens to be like, all right, what do I need for this little piece? Like really think through like, okay, at this time I need to be here, but I've need, I'll have needed like 20 water coolers set up. Oh, well, who's going to set those up? And then you just keep working your way down the line thinking like to kind of formulate those ideas and thoughts of like, all right, here's how we're going to actually make this thing happen. So you break it down into a lot of really small chunks. I think that's what great strategic thinkers can do is they can see all the small pieces and then they can put them together. And then the more and more you practice that, you're able to rearrange those small pieces kind of like in chess to get a better and a more efficient desired outcome uh, along the way to have, in my case, like a better product, a better event, a better camp. Um, because I can see the pieces. I know, oh, if I move this one piece over here, this makes it easier on my staff. We can get this accomplished, which re- re- creates this goal. And it just it, some of that's time, practice, and experience. Another part of being strategic, uh, Nathan, you and I talked about on a previous podcast episode, the flexibility of when something doesn't go the, the mm-hmm. way that you thought it would. And Chad, if yep. we continue to connect this back to it's going to become a, a chess podcast soon, but if we, uh, I mean, we already have the scent, right? We already have the, the <laughs> axe right. deodorant checkmate that are sponsored by 20% off your first order at youth ministry, like at lifeway.com slash students slash uh, checkmate. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. <laughs> S- slash hot tubbing. Uh, if we continue to follow the chess example in order to play a fully strategic game, it's not just a set it and forget it. Like these are my 30 moves and this right. is what I do every time. There's also noise in the middle of that system. Something is going to go wrong. There's going to be something unexpected happen. There's going to be a move that your opponent does that is different in student ministry. There's going to be something that happens that is not what you expected. And being able to take that strategy and shift and adjust and still be aiming at the same outcome, but change maybe the, the, the middle eight pieces that you were planning to do and be able and being able to do that quickly and with clarity, I think is a huge part of strategic thinking, because I think there are some that can sit back and say, okay, that's the destination. Here are the things that we need to do to get there. But then at phase four, step four, whatever that is, if it goes wrong, then it's like, oh, well, what in the world do I do now? It's at that moment of changing that internal eight steps to the plan quickly and with clarity that I, that I think a lot of people miss. And I think that only comes from, Nathan, to what you were saying, I think that only comes from being in that spot and either watching someone else do that or having done it yourself and and lived it. Yep, a hundred percent. And so, in the chess world, that's tempo, right? Like that is like identifying. Okay, this is what normally happens in this. And so, because ninety percent of the time this may happen, I'm going to make this move to prepare for that. Um, And so I think there's an area of leadership ministry that is a little bit of what you're talking about. It's that having that mentor or having that experience to say, okay, this often comes and realizing that with people, there is change of outcome 
Um, and, and so I, I think that there, there definitely is something to that. What, I mean, I want to hear from all you guys, but Ben, I would really love to hear your thoughts on this. What do you, what specific like areas of student ministry? And I know for every person, every ministry, this is going to be different, but as a general and a whole, what do you think are areas of student ministry that you feel like youth pastors generally aren't strategic enough in or aren't thinking strategic in like this specific area of student ministry that you think could lead to some like breakthroughs or, or just some life in, in their ministry? Yeah. So I think one is volunteer recruitment and development. Oh, some strategy in that. Yeah. And I think that because we get asked about how to do that in virtually every setting where we train student pastors. Sure. Anytime we ask, anytime we do polls, that always rises to the top. And I don't, and in those areas where I think it's lacking, I think people can do well, maybe on the recruiting side like a charismatic leader who is able to attract others to themselves and win them over with the vision of the student ministry. But then they install that person as the seventh grade girls, small group leader, but then there's no plan to develop them or help them execute Mm -hmm. that role. Other than I'm a charismatic personality. Students seem to come to me and listen, that must be the thing that's going to happen with this person I just recruited. Be like me, person who's not me. Be like me. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And so I, I think there are few student ministries who, if you sat down with the primary leader, could articulate for you, this is the development plan that we have that all of our leaders walk through to become better leaders of teenagers. They might be able to articulate for you how they onboard someone and all the child protection policies they have and the, and all of the things that they walk through, but it's that second piece. And unfortunately it's that second piece. I think that really revs up the engine of discipleship in our ministries, because those are the, those are the people as those people are developed, their discipleship of teenagers is going to going to improve. So I think that's one. And another one that I would point to as an under strategic area in student ministry is relationships with other staff members. Uh, Student ministry people tend to operate in isolation. Um, They have probably a meeting or two a week with other pastors around the circle but then operate in isolation a majority of the time. And I, I do think it takes strategic thinking to have a good relationship with your pastor, with the person that leads you and with the other people who you lead alongside. It does, it does not happen naturally. It's one of those things that takes forethought on, on our behalf. Those are the first two that came to mind. Well, and I think that goes back to a little bit of that first conversation we had in jest 
of relationship building and like beyond the small talk is that you can give a leader a, a, a set of icebreaker questions like what's the strongest Pokemon, right? Or like what band is the most popular amongst your peers? Like you can do like <laughs> these kind of like formulaic questions, but then they answer and it's like, cool. And, and, and they feel, they feel stuck. Right. And this is where the, like, the, the T word of training comes in because we've got to engage our leaders with enough like ongoing insight, information, conversation to turn that recruitment into well-trained, into well-retained leaders. And I think Ben, the volunteer part's hundred percent correct. I think a lot of folks, they, they get stymied because they've, they've added folks to the team, but then there's a huge backdoor because folks help out for maybe six months or a year and they yeah. go to camp and they're like, that was so much, you know, like camp was overwhelming because it wasn't a managed 20 minute small group from week to week, but it was this ninth grade girl opening up her whole life or there was a junior, uh, a junior in high school who started crying and like, yeah. Rick and Tim weren't ready to have guys in their small group cry. That was not part of the onboard training. And so uh, there's, there's just some real like heaviness or, or boringness, right? I think that's one of the things to help train with is like, maybe we trained for the uncomfortable silences of discussion, mm -hmm. but you need to be trained to be the boringness of just sitting and being with as a small group leader or minister, because so much of it is that being with, and we get the scriptures of Jesus teaching and feeding and eating, but there was a lot of boat rides and walks that happened with the disciples that were pretty like normal stuff. And that's probably why they weren't recorded because they're pretty normal happening stuff. And so I think we've got to be able to prepare our leaders for some of those things to help uh, in moments like the camps where there's extended time, just living and being in the same communal spaces. Can I, I'm going to, and I'm sorry if this makes you uncomfortable, this is beyond the like goofy Chad moment, but uh, I've watched Zach model this back when he was a youth pastor. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know if you would even consider it that at the time I got the opportunity to go with Zach, um, one summer at, at his camp to, to help at one of his camps. And I think the opportunity for youth pastors to model what they're talking about is very strategic. And I think a lot of times relational youth pastors who may not feel very strategic, but are very relational, don't realize how strategic relationship can be. The, the opportunity for Zach to model with his adult leaders, like what it looks like just to care for them, to have conversations with them, to be like relationally invested in their life, to care for them, I think begins to set that foundation for what you're asking them to do with students. Um, because some of the stuff that we're talking about is a little bit of that like relational intelligence, emotional intelligence to have with a student. I mean, those are soft skills that take a lot of time to really develop with people and the ability to like have that shared experience with them to model that for a 22-year-old college leader that's leading a small group or a 65-year-old, you know what I mean? Like those are different ways that you teach that, but you can model what that looks like that I think is very helpful 
for the leader and to be able to identify and, and let them know like, hey, man, I love having these conversations. Are these some of the conversations that you're getting to have with your students? You're able to set that expectation. You've modeled it with them. Uh, and then you're asking them to do it. And I think that those, that helps the volunteer leader because I think they're asking that question of like, how do I get to this third conversation? What do I do next? Yeah. And they're looking for us for that answer. Yeah. To have that done towards them. Yeah. As an example. Yeah. Well, you may have noticed listeners slightly different format to today's episode. We'd love to know what you think because we care about your feedback. We also would love to know topics that you would like to hear on an upcoming episode. So you can send us those at student ministry. If any of you use Twitter, that's where you can do that, which it's okay. If you don't, it's mostly just negative garbage anyway, not from our account, but you know, that's just what Twitter anyway. Uh, Lifeway students on uh, Instagram. You can also hit all of us up uh, there to let us know what you would like for us to cover in an upcoming episode. So you can find I'll us be in the Instagram DMs. If anyone wants to chat with me, I'll be in the Lifeway yeah. students. Instagram. Yeah. And hold on, by the way, you had mentioned in the beginning of the episode, go like rate and review. I went to our podcast to read While a recording, just wanted to go yes. check it out. Yeah, yeah. I want to see what some of the reviews are already. I'm pretty positive. First of all, here's the first one Ben Stud, Nathan Stud, Guest Stud, and then Honorable Mention, which I've only been on the podcast like twice. Zach Workin Stud, Chad Higgins, which by the way, they spelled my last name Wiggins. <laughs> well, sit up. Now, hold, hold on. Before you start judging this wonderfully handsome anonymous reviewer, I'm still saved in your phone as Z-A-K working. So before you get all like Gus Chiggins and wig out about this, like and I some refuse of the to nearest and dearest. No, no. I want you to leave it forever. So when you give my eulogy, you spell it wrong. Yeah. The next, The next review is... Producer Nason is the star of the show, not even close. 100% Nathan wrote that comment. I like that. Is, uh, yeah, that's our friend Joe Yarbrough. Oh, uh, so he's <laughs> not even close. Yeah, uh, you can. We, Nathan, producer Nathan, we need to get like a photograph that you can sign and send to people oh, gosh. That, that comment. Yes. Yes, just a glossy eight by ten. About that, yeah, that would be gold. Um, it should be the one from like eight years ago. You guys, this would be such a hard time about. I mean, your headshot, yes, <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> it should be a glossy B and Dub producer Nathan headshot. Yeah, either exactly. that or are you like within like like the the really classy like Olin Mills, Mar Mar Olin Mills mm. marble background, black mm -hmm. turtleneck, holding a pen. Just in case. Yeah. I like it. Either way. This is going to be fun. <laughs> All right. We'll be back for another episode coming soon. Woo. Bye, everybody. <laughs>